This is why he came into the world. This is why he went to the cross. Not simply to tell us how things are. That doesn't change anything. Not simply to come into the world and say, well, all of you need to understand, you're all going to reap what you sow. What help is that? We need someone who can change the future so it's different from the sins that we have sowed. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, obviously sounds as if we're talking about Jesus, but we're actually in a series about Joseph, who was a character way back in the Old Testament. What's the connection? Yeah, well, we're seeing all the way through the story of Joseph uh, that there are pointers to the Lord Jesus Christ. What we're going to see today is that Jesus is always better than Joseph, always better than Moses, always better than any character in the Old Testament. He's the incomparable and glorious Son of God. And I just love the way we're going to see it in the story of Joseph today. He's able to interpret the dreams of a cupbearer and a baker. He's able to say to one, hey, you've got a good future. He's able to say to the other, you're done. But Jesus Christ is actually able to change the future, not just to say what the future is, but to change the eternal future for any person who believes in him. That's what it means for him to be the savior, for him to be the redeemer. And there's no one else can do what Jesus Christ is able to do. We're in Genesis chapter 40 as we continue our message, Suffering and Serving. Here's Pastor Colin. I want us to focus in a little more on the people that Joseph served. These two men, the cupbearer and the baker. Let's start with the cupbearer, verses 9 to 13. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. And as you look at the particular dream that he had, uh, he says, verse 10, as soon as it budded, that's the vine, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. In verse 11, Pharaoh's cup, he says, was in my hand and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Now, he is dreaming then about what he used to do. And in the dream, he sees himself doing it again. The cupbearer's dream therefore represented his highest hopes. That there would be a kind of fast forward from this dreadful position that he was in in the prison. And that in some way he would be restored to the king's service. That he would have the opportunity of doing again what he had had the privilege of doing before. His highest hopes. You don't need any special gift of interpretation to see that. It's just obvious from the very nature of the dream that the cupbearer dreamt on that night. But what Joseph told to the cupbearer was something that could only have been revealed by God. Notice what it was, verse 12. Then Joseph said, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. Now, if you're going to make a prediction that on a three-day time scale, you'd better be sure it's the word of God. (laughs) 
because in three days either Joseph is going to be uh, exposed as a fake or he's going to be affirmed uh, truly as a prophet of God. And of course that he was. And uh, what he spoke here could only have come to him by direct revelation from God. He speaks it, and then in three days, sure enough, the word of God comes to pass. And so what happens here is that the cupbearer's highest hope, the very best thing that he could have wished for, comes to pass. He is pardoned. He is released. He is wonderfully restored to the service of of the king. Now that's the cupbearer. Then we come to the baker. Now it's interesting that the baker had held back when Joseph had offered to interpret dreams, and it's not difficult to see why. Because while the cupbearer's dream represented his very highest hopes that he might be able again to do what he had done before, uh, the baker's dream went in a rather different direction. But we're told in verse 16 that when the baker saw that the interpretation given to the cupbearer was a favorable one, well, now he he came forward. Maybe there's some good news for me as well from this man, Joseph. And so he says, I also had a dream. Now, again, it's not surprising since he was the chief chief baker. He had spent his entire career in the king's uh, kitchens. Um, His dream was about bread and cakes being carried in baskets. Again, he was dreaming about his own work, about his own uh, life's work, uh, what was familiar to him. And he says, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head. You can picture this then. These three layers of baskets, one on top of the other. And here's the baker, and he's seeing himself, as he'd done so often before, carrying these baked goods into the presence of Pharaoh, except that in his dream, he does not see himself presenting these baked goods to the king. He says, in the uppermost basket, verse 17, there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. So clearly, the uh, baker's dream represents his deepest fears that the job that had been taken from him would, would never be given back, that all of his work would become food for birds. Again, you don't need any special gift of interpretation. There's nothing prophetic about that. It's just this is the nature of the dream, and it's uh, not an appealing picture that had been pressed into the mind of the baker. But again, while all of that is just very obvious on the surface of, uh, of the story for anyone who's, who's reading it, what Joseph said to the baker could only have come by a direct revelation of God. And here's what he says, verse 18. Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days, and in three days Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat the flesh from you. Now, what is the significance of these two dreams and of their interpretation? Let me put it to you this way. What we have here in the prison is really a microcosm of the whole of humanity. There are two men. 
And in a very profound sense, they represent all of us. One of them is going to be pardoned. One of them is going to be punished. One of them is about to see his greatest hope fulfilled. The other one is about to see his deepest fear realized. Two men. And as these three days slip on, one of them is full of anticipation and excitement, hoping for the best. The other one dreading the passing of the hours because he is fearing the worst that he knows lies ahead. One's looking forward to life with all of its possibilities. The other one is preparing for death. For one, it's like a new day is just dawning. For another, it's like the sun is setting and time is just slipping away like sand through his fingers. There's the whole of humanity there. There's the whole of human experience that's wrapped up in the situations of these two men. And between these two men, there is another man, a man who is completely innocent, a man who speaks the word of God. Now, you look at that picture, and your mind, if you know the Bible, goes to another picture to which this points, the image of another man who has done nothing wrong. And he also is in the company of two criminals. Only they're not on a prison. Each of these three, they're on a cross. And these men who are on either side of the man who's done nothing wrong, they don't have three days to live. It's more like three hours for them, just a few hours. And both of them are very angry. But then there is a strange stillness that comes over one of them. His life is coming to an end. He knows he's going to go out into the presence of a God he doesn't know and doesn't know really what he's said. He hasn't planned for this. He hasn't prepared for it either. He shouts over to his colleague, don't you fear God? We are being punished justly, he says, because we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, referring to Jesus, he says, has done nothing wrong. And then you remember that he looked to Jesus and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Where did he get that line from? Have you ever noticed that that line is right here in the story of Joseph? It's in verse 14. Joseph says to the cupbearer, remember me when it is well with you. You're going to go beyond this place of punishment and you're going to be at the right hand of the king. You're going to have the ear of the king. When you get there, will you remember me? And here's what has pressed itself into my mind. I'd never thought about it before. But the thief on the cross for sure knew this story well. As a Jewish boy, any Jewish boy growing up, schooled in the Old Testament scriptures, and the story of Joseph, perhaps the best known of all in the Old Testament. And he would have learned this for sure at his mother's knee. He would have known not only about Joseph, but about the cupbearer and his remarkable journey from 
the prison, the place of punishment, right to the presence of the king, standing by him and having the ear of the king. And here's the thief. And he now is facing his own worst fears, and he finds himself a few feet away from Jesus. And he discerns that Jesus is the king. And he takes a line right out of the story of Joseph, and he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Now, there are three contrasts between these two stories that obviously are linked. Joseph, between the cupbearer and the baker, and in earthly terms, one of their lives is saved and one of them is lost. Jesus, between the two thieves, and one of them is saved and one of them is lost. The connections between these stories, remarkable, wonderful. But there are three contrasts that I want you to notice, all of which together shine a floodlight on the unique glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to see these. The first is the difference between Joseph and the thief. And that difference is simply this, that Joseph was innocent when he said, remember me, but the thief when he said, remember me, was guilty. That's a very important difference. Joseph was innocent. And the basis of the appeal that he wanted the cupbearer to make to the king was a basis of justice. He's saying, now look, when you get into the presence of the king, could you remember me? Could you tell the king that there's a great injustice that has happened in his prison? In his kingdom, this has taken place, and it isn't right. And could you appeal to him on the basis of justice that I should be delivered from this place? That's the basis of Joseph's appeal. But the thief knows for sure that he can't make any appeal to Jesus to remember him on the basis of justice. He's just said to his colleague, we're being punished justly, punished justly. We're getting what our deeds deserve. So on what basis can he ask Jesus Christ to remember him? Only this. He appeals to Jesus on the basis of mercy and compassion alone. And that's our position. There may be injustices that happen in your life and my my life. There will be in this world. We looked at that last time. But at the end of the day, none of us can make an appeal to God on the basis of justice. We can't stand before him on that kind of basis. There is no one righteous, no, not even one, the scriptures say. And so our appeal, like the thief to Jesus Christ, has to be on the basis of mercy. Mercy alone. Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. Second difference. Notice the difference between the cupbearer and Jesus, the two to whom appeal was made in these stories. And here's the difference. The cupbearer forgot. Jesus remembered. You see the cupbearer's story at the end of the chapter that the king restored the cupbearer to his position. But verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So Joseph needed a better savior than the cupbearer. What use is a savior who's going to forget you? What use is someone who's at the right hand of the king and can't remember your name? And the thief says to Jesus, 
Will you remember me? Please don't be like the cupbearer. Because if you're like the cupbearer and you forget me, I will languish in hell forever. Please remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. There's a savior you can trust. A savior who will never forget you. A savior who showers mercy in relation to all our sins. And a savior who never forgets but always remembers those who put their trust in him. So do you see this amazing contrast? Because it shines a light on the unique glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The only one we can trust to be the savior. Joseph says, remember me to a cupbearer, and the cupbearer forgets him. But the thief says, remember me to Jesus, and Jesus remembers him and saves him. Now, struck by this, Joseph, who was innocent, appealed to the one who held the cup, and nothing good came of it. He was forgotten. But the thief who was guilty appealed to the one who drank the cup. That's the language that Jesus used and thereby became the savior. And in the mercy of God and in the goodness of Jesus Christ, he is remembered and he is saved. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Suffering and Serving. We'll pause here for a moment. Starting this month on our website, openthebible.org.uk, you can hear something new. It's Pastor Collins' Daily Devotionals, read by Sue McLeish. A new message every day, just two or three minutes. It's a great way to start the day. If you ever miss any of our broadcasts or if you want to listen again, you can always do that by going to our website, openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is a listener-supported work, and if you are able to support us with a gift of £5 or more on a regular basis, we'd like to thank you by sending you a copy of a book. It's called Holiness by J.C. Ryle. You can find out details of this offer and lots of other information about Open the Bible on the website openthebible.org.uk. Now let's get back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. And here's the last contrast, and it's a very wonderful one and a very important one. The difference between Joseph and Jesus. And the difference here is that Joseph announced the future, but Jesus changes the future. See, Joseph was a prophet, and here's what a prophet does. A prophet is able to announce future events. In three days, this is going to happen, and it's a good thing for you, Mr. Uh, Cupbearer. It's not a good thing for you. Mr. Baker. One, he says, you're going to be pardoned. The other one, he says, you're going to be punished. He announces the future. That's what a prophet does. But Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus is Savior, the Savior. And Savior is a different category from prophet, and it's much more, and it's much better than a prophet. Friends, this is of huge importance especially with regards to all of our conversations with um, Muslim friends, any conversation you have with a person from an Islamic background, you've got to be able to explain to that person the difference between a prophet and a savior. 
Because Islam is all about a prophet. Christianity is all about a savior. So let me put that difference as simply and as clearly as I possibly can for you. A prophet tells you what is. A savior changes what is. There's all the difference in the world. Put yourself in the shoes of the baker. The prophet tells him what is. Three days you're going to die. Well, where does that leave him? He doesn't need a prophet. He needs a savior. He needs someone who can change what's going to happen in three days. And a prophet can't do that, but a savior can. And this is why Jesus Christ came into the world. Jesus Christ can take a man or a woman in the place of the baker. That is, someone who is guilty. Someone who is condemned. Someone who is without God. Someone who is without hope in this world. And Jesus Christ, because he's a savior, can put that person in the place of the cupbearer. What is that? A person who is forgiven. A person who is restored to the service of the king. A person who is rescued. A person who is released. A person who is lifted up and exalted to the highest place. That's what Jesus Christ can do. A prophet can't do that. Savior can. And this is why he came into the world. This is why he went to the cross. Not simply to tell us how things are. That doesn't change anything. Not simply to come into the world and say, well, all of you need to understand, you're all going to reap what you sow. What help is that? We need someone who can change the future so it's different from the sins that we have sown. And this is why a Savior comes into the world. And this is why a Savior is so much more than a prophet. Jesus came to stand in the place of sinners who, like the baker, were destined for the gallows of the king's justice. And he came to bring us into the position of the cupbearer, into the blessing and freedom and pardon of being restored to the king's service. And because Jesus is the savior more than a prophet, more than simply one who speaks the truth, he is able to do that for every person who will come to him in repentance and in faith, at any time of life, and especially today. And he's able to bring the best hope into the place of the worst fear. He's full of mercy towards sinners who know that we are guilty. And if you trust yourself to him, he will never forget you. He will not be like the cupbearer who got preoccupied with other things. Your name when you trust yourself to him, is as if it were printed in the nail prints of his hands. He can never forget those who are his own because he died to make you his own. And he will walk with you through your greatest fears. He'll walk with you as he did with Joseph through the worst and the hardest things of your life. And he will in his time bring you into an eternal future that is greater than anything you have ever dared to dream. What a word of hope today. Jesus is full of mercy towards sinners, those who know that they're guilty. He can bring hope into the place where we have the most fear. He invites us into a relationship with him. He stands in the place of sinners, and he can bring us into the presence of the King. Maybe as you've been listening, you've realized that you don't have that relationship with Jesus. If you were standing before God right now, like the baker, you feel you'd be condemned. 
But you would like to come into God's presence like the cupbearer, to come into his blessing and the freedom we can have in God's service. You can do that today by talking to God yourself or by talking and praying with a trusted Christian friend, family member or pastor of a church or you can contact us through the website. For Pastor Colin and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick, and I hope you can join us again next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. What do you do when you seem to have more questions about God than answers? Find out next time on Open the Bible.